number 13, verse 1. And behold, there were, came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, So a man of God sent by God with the word of God has come to a place at Bethel and this place at Bethel has been known, Bethel and Dan has been known for idol worship. At two locations, there is a golden calf that God's people are beginning to worship at because, or a lot of it influenced by Jeroboam. So in verse number two, here comes this man of God. He's got the word of the Lord. And notice what he said. And he said, O altar, altar. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee, talking to the altar, shall he offer the priest of the high places that burns incense upon thee. He's, 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 he's preaching and pronouncing judgment on the idol altar and false prophets who are offering false worship to a false god. So in, in verse, in a latter part of verse number two, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. Verse three, and he gave a sign the same day, saying, this is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass when Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him, and his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out upon the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Verse 6, And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God in place of me, that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way which thou camest. So the Bible said in verse 10 that he went another way, and returned not the way that he came to Bethel. Now there dwelt at an old prophet in Bethel, and uh, evidently this prophet had been living in compromise, and evidently this prophet's got a lying tongue. Notice what the Bible says. He's living in a false idol worship city, and the Bible, and he's not over being used of God to preach against the altar. God had to bring somebody in from out of town. And the Bible said, and his sons, verse 11, came and told him, that is the old prophet, the compromising prophet, the lying prophet, all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, and the words which he had spoken unto the king, them they also uh, to their father. And their father said unto them, What? way went he for his sons had said that that way or what way the man of God went which came from Judah and he said unto the son saddle me the ass so they saddled him the ass and he rode thereon and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak and he said unto him art thou the man of God that came from Judah and he said I am I, I'm going to skip a place but let me just stop and say when you're looking for a man of God you ought to find him hugged up against a tree somebody say amen I had to say that amen Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, the Bible said in verse 17, and uh, or actually, I'm sorry, in verse number 15, he said unto him, Come now with a home with me and eat bread. So first the prince tried to get him to come. Now the false, I believe he's a prophet, but he's a backslidden prophet, a bad prophet, a lying prophet, a compromising prophet. He's trying to get him to go against what God told him in verse 15. He said, well, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, and turn again to go by the way that thou camest. And he said unto him, I am a prophet also, as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, 
Bring him back with thee into thine house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied. Told you he was a lying prophet. Amen. Notice with me, skip down to verse number 23. And it came to pass after he had eaten and bread and after he had drunk that he saddled him the ass and to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way. And the ass stood by, and the lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass. They came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient under the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him. According to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. Now I've read a lengthy place in the Bible. There's a reason. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to tune in to 1 Kings 13. It is a definite Bible study preaching. Lord, you said in the Word of God, preach the whole counsel of God. You said that all of Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and all of it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. Every, help me to preach the Word of God as you've laid it upon my heart. Lord, I want to do my best to help your people. And Lord, I just pray, God, you'd anoint me and fire me and preach me. And give me liberty, Lord, to preach. I know, God, I don't deserve to be behind this pulpit. Lord, there's nothing I can do in myself. Uh, Lord, to help myself, no man can help me. Father, we need you. It's not by personality, but by power, oh Lord. We pray, God, that you give us grace and mercy and preach and save sinners, touch saints. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. If the Lord would help me just for a little while tonight, I want to preach from 1 Kings 13 on this thought. The old men have lied to us. The old men have lied to us. Now, I, I am an advocate for a young preacher to seek advice from an older man of God. But this is a sad story, a commentary in the Bible. We're an older, compromised, backslid, somebody who is known to be a liar, living in a town of idolatry, not preaching or proclaiming or standing for the truth, has gave this man of God, who was used of God, God has pronounced judgment upon the altar and it's already happened as a sign. He has used this man of God to preach about a young boy who's going to be born 300 to 360 years ahead of the time he's going to be born. He is definitely God's man. But by the end of our chapter, this obedient man of God has become a disobedient man of God and God has allowed the lion to kill him and slay him. Now, it's an odd place to preach, I know, but it's in the book. And if the Lord help me, I want to sound a warning that I pray everybody in this building will listen to. We're living in a day when information and technology is at your fingertips. You can just about download every kind of app, search every kind of church website. You can Google everything under the sun. And, and I'm going to tell you, find different ideas or different interpretations, but understand me and hear me well. If a man does not line up with the Word of God, he is a false preacher or a backslidden preacher who has a false message. Somebody say amen. Uh, we need to stay true to the Word of God. In 1 Kings chapter number 13, uh, notice with me just a few things before I get into the meat of the heart or the thought that God wants me to be at. We have to unpack our text and walk through it. Notice with me in verse number 1, there is a man of God that has a prophecy or a, of a prophetic message to preach. Notice the Bible said, he is a man of God out of Judah. I thank God uh, this southern kingdom of Judah 
God says, they may be a man up there who's compromised. They may be a man up there who is evil and has evil intentions. But I'm going to send a man of God who will preach the truth. And this man of God is called a man of God 15 times in this chapter. And so in this chapter, he is called a man of God. There is no name mentioned. There is no name labeled on this man. I have read after some commentaries who said they believe that they know who the man of God was. But our Bible sees fit to leave this name out. I believe because of this, Brother Tony, everybody that's in this building must stay true to the Word of God. Whether you're a prophet or a preacher, whether you're a man or a lady, you must stay true to the Word of God. There's a warning against against listening to men who are not lined up with the Word. There is a man of God you can listen to. He is called a man of God 15 times in our chapter. And so there's a man of God with a prophecy. But there's a land where the prophecy's been sent. Look in verse number 1. The Bible says this man of God out of Judah, who by the word of the Lord has been sent unto Bethel. Notice this, this place of Bethel. This is one, this is this place of Bethel used to. Y'all remember the text when Jacob had left the house of his father. The Bible says that he found a place and he found a pillar, a rock, and made a pillar out of it. And the Bible says that he saw a ladder extending. That is the same ladder, that's a picture of the Lord. That's the last verse in John chapter number 1. Because in John 1 we find out that the Lord is the light, the Lamb, and the ladder. He's the only ladder that's set up on earth that a man can go up and reach heaven. Amen. But Jacob saw this ladder and realized that the Lord was not just the God of Abraham. He's not just the God of Isaac. But he is the God of Jacob. He found out that he was not alone. Because the Bible says, he saw the angels ascending and descending. If they ascended, they must have been traveling with him, Brother Tom. He saw the Lord. He heard the Lord's voice. And when he woke up the next morning, took some oil out and anointed that rock and said, Thank God this is Bethel. I didn't know it, but this is God's house. Amen. And Bethel started out being a place where folks could hear from God and see God and worship God where the oil ran where the power of God was there oh but now it's become a place of idol worship Bethel and Dan they've reared up golden calves and when they used to use the altar of God now at this altar they are worshiping and sacrificing to a golden calf friend God have mercy, a creation of man. They worship an idol that can't talk, that can't hear, can't help, amen, can't feed, can't look after. Oh, thank God I've got a God. I don't have a God that I hold in my hand, but I've got a God that holds me in his hand, amen. And so this, there's a man of God with a prophecy. He's sent to the land that God wants him to send, uh, be sent to with this prophecy, they are worshiping idols. This is Bethel. He said, unto Bethel. Then notice the figurehead mentioned in the prophecy. The Bible says, unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. The figurehead of the prophecy. You see, it's an amazing thing. And I hope I get back to it just a little bit in case I don't. In verse number 2, when the man of God comes and preached the word of God, he prophesies, he talks to the altar. But Jeremy, it's amazing, Brother Jared. He says, O altar, altar. He talks to the altar. He's showing the ignorance of Jeroboam, the stubbornness of Jeroboam. You see, it is Jeroboam who has caused Israel to go after the golden calf. He is very much responsible 
for influencing them in false pagan worship. And so the prophecy is to Jeroboam and the people, but he has the man of God preach to the altar as if to say, the altar will listen better than your hard head, Jeroboam. I don't know if y'all know anybody like that, but we've got plenty of them. Hey, the stones will listen before they will. Say amen right there. Amen. There's a message intended for Jeroboam. He's the figurehead. He's the one who's influenced Israel to false worship. And so we see the man of God in prophecy, the land of prophecy, the figurehead of the prophecy, the lesson in the prophecy. And here he is. He preaches a three-point message. <laughs> amen. He, he mentions number one in verse number two. He's going to talk about the sovereign. I say amen. He said there's going to, hey, notice what he says. Notice what he said. Behold. A child shall be born. We ought to pause right there and have a running fit. Ain't you glad? <laughs> Woo! Ain't you glad Mary heard that one day? Ain't you glad? Hey, man. Ain't you glad Joseph heard that one day? Hey, ain't you glad that them old shepherds heard there was a baby born? Thank God in Bethlehem. Hey, you say, preacher, hey, Josiah, it's going to be one who reclaims and repents and renews and restores. He's going to be a picture of the coming Jesus. Amen. And he mentions this man. Notice this. The Bible says, he's preaching about a sovereign. He says, I've come with the word of the Lord. I've come in the word of the Lord. O altar, thus saith the Lord. Amen. He's preaching. The sovereign. He's, he's talking about God. He said there's going to be a child born to the house of David. He said his name, notice Josiah by name. Now if you don't think that's significant, friend, I'm going to tell you, just, just bear with me for just a minute. But this is three centuries plus. All, this is three centuries and a half more than likely, before four generations, three centuries and a half before Josiah's born, and God gives a man of God a message and says there's going to come a man named Josiah. 300 to 360 years in the future, there's going to be a baby born. Do y'all realize that a lot of things has got to happen? There's got to be three to four generations. There's got to be a daddy and a mama that has a baby and then has another baby and then has another baby. And then they're going to have to name him exactly. I'm telling you, if that don't show that God's providentially, hey, man, got a plan and he's working it out. Hey, man, my name ain't Preacher Shane Jackson. I'm glad God in his providence. Amen. Is a looking after us. He has a plan, Brother Jared. He's got a predetermined purpose and he's working it out. Whether we realize it or know it or not, I'm glad God is in control. He's sovereign. Amen. He's talking about the sovereign in verse 2. He's talking about some sacrifices in verse 2 and 3. Notice what he's saying. He said, Josiah by name, and this is what he said. He said, Upon thee, he's talking about an owner. He said, upon thee and upon uh, shall he offer, Josiah will, the priest of the high place, he's talking about the false priest, that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. He said, I'm not talking about bull bones. I'm not talking about goat bones. I'm not talking about dove bones. I'm talking about, the, hey, he's crying against the altar, but he's crying to the altar. He's crying against it in verse number two. Uh, verse number two, he's crying to it. And verse number three, he's going to cry against it. Uh, he said, look, there's going to come a time uh, when this very false altar, uh, there's going to be men's bones burned. It's going to be false prophets. Uh, and I'm going to tell you who's going to run it. He said, there's going to be a man of God that's going to listen to the word of God. He's going to repent. He's going to turn Israel back toward God. And they're going to take the false prophets and burn their bones on this very altar. He's preaching to the altar. Jeroboam's too hard-headed. He's making a proclamation against it. He's crying against it. Look what, look what the Bible says. He said, and I'll give a sign the same day, saying, this is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. He said, I, I, you might not believe what I'm preaching. 
He said, here's going to be a sign to you. God's going to prove what I said. He re he's revealing the stubbornness of Jeroboam. He won't listen. Uh, but he's, he's, he's preached, uh, uh, Brother Tony, to this altar. And he's notice, notice how he's talking to this altar. He, he's using the word altar a couple of times. And verse number two, he says, oh, altar, comma, altar. Uh, it could be that he's preaching to the altar uh, that's there in Bethel and uh, the, to the same God in Dan. Uh, it may, he may be preaching in uh, uh, because the sign is coming imminently uh, and the sign and, and the reality is going to come truly. Uh, uh, maybe, I, I don't know exactly why uh, God had him put it twice, uh, uh, but here's what I think. Uh, I think he had to do it twice uh, because it's the altar, uh, hey man, that needs to hear the truth uh, because people will not hear the truth. Uh, he said that's going to come a man named Josiah and it was all fulfilled in 2 Kings 23 and verse number 6 and he's going to find a copy of the word of God and when he hears it he's going to repent brother Tony and he's going to ask God to forgive him and ask God to forgive the nation and he's going to start cleaning house and when he's going to grab you false demons and preachers by the neck and he's going to kill you and he's going to offer you on the altar and I'm going to put prove it to you. God's going to rend this altar. It's going to be a sign of what's coming. Amen. I mean, he's preaching truth. He, he ain't care of nobody. He ain't running up a flag. He ain't trying to get no, uh, no love offering. Amen. He said there's going to be a sign and the altar shall be rent and the ashes are going to be poured out. Amen. Notice what the Bible says. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard this saying of the man of God, which he had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. Amen. And his hand which he put forth against him dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. Look at verse 5. And the altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which he had given the man. Did y'all see that? He said, Hey, I'm going to tell you, God didn't even let the sun go down before he proved the sign was going to take place. He's done proved it. He said the altar's going to be split. And he said the ashes are going to pour out. This is a sign. And as sure as it was done, notice what happened. Jeroboam got mad. He protested the preaching of the word of God. It's, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, Jeroboam's been king for a little bit. God, all Israel going after false gods. There's an old man of God in the town, and he ain't preached one thing against idol worship. He's he's compromiser. He's backslid. He's evil, got evil intentions. He's not going to ever stand for nothing. His own sons knows he ain't going to stand for nothing. Hey, man, it so shocks them that there's a man of God that preaches the truth that they run straight to daddy and tell him. I mean, hey, it doesn't surprise me when you don't hear the Bible preached that when you do hear it preached how you want to get a little frustrated at the man of God but notice the Bible said he pulled his hand back from offering incense and then he reached his hand out toward the man of God the Bible said that he said he put forth his hand from the altar and lay hold on him Jeroboam heard what the man of God said heard what he cried against the altar and he reached out his hand and laid hold on the man of God. You see here, there's a protest here. Jeroboam's upset, he's mad. I'm gonna tell you, there's a precedent set by 1 Kings 13 and 4. We find out in 1 Kings 13 and 4, God always sets a precedent in the word of God. Amen. I don't want to get into the Supreme Court and how they do it, but God always lays a foundation that needs to be followed all the way through the Bible. The principle is first mentioned. He's laying down some founding principles. And here's one thing we find out, brother. Evil government will always use their power to stop the voice of truth. 
That's exactly what they were trying to do. We see in the we see the precedent set in the Bible. Listen, I've got friends that go down to Mississippi to preach, and, and brother, they're being fined for having parking lot church. Uh, brother Trevor in California, his church site when last time I seen it owed over fifty thousand dollars, and they were sitting six feet apart. They were not. They were following every guideline they could. Now you can take your daughter down and get an abortion. You can take your boy down and get some liquor from the liquor store. You can go. Y'all listen to this preacher, but they want to shut the truth. Listen, evil government will always try to shut the voice of truth. They want, they want us to go along to get along. God's message is dogmatic. They're, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no way to go to heaven but by Jesus. Not rubbing Buddha's belly. Not saying, we're over banging your head and talking to Allah, blowing yourself up. It ain't going to work, say amen. I didn't know that was in there, but it is. There's a precedent set there. Amen. He's trying to lay hold on. There's a provocation of Jeroboam. Jeroboam, is, he's, he's, he feels like he's been provoked. But what's happening, he's just preaching the truth and he's fixing to provoke God. Notice what the Bible says. Pulls his hand from the altar, puts his lay hold upon that man of God. Notice what happened in verse number four. Paralysis set in. Here, here's what Brother John Gill said. Brother John Gill said that he believed uh, from everything, that, from the word pictures that are used, uh, he believes this. He believed that the nerves quit receiving signals and the muscles began to shrink. Uh, it was an immediate disabling. It was a stiffness. He reached toward the man of God and could not pull it back. His muscles began. He was permanent. He was going to be permanently disabled because he moved his hand toward the voice of truth. The preacher paralysis set up. And then parting of the altar set up. Here's what happened in verse number 5. It's proof that God sent the preacher. The invisible hand of God. The preacher didn't kick it. Hey, now Jeroboam sure didn't mess up the altar. But somehow or another in verse number 5, the altar was rent. It was as if the invisible supernatural hand of God destroyed the altar and showed that wicked prince, that wicked king. Jeroboam, hey, don't touch my preacher. I keep your hand off my prophet. Hey, and I'm, you're provoking me, and I'm going to put you in paralysis. Now, when a man preaches the truth, he'll have God's protection. You might as well say amen right there. Amen. I'm a preacher, and I'm preaching it, and that's the truth. Amen. Hey, no, notice immediately what happened. Now, preacher, I, now, church, I hope y'all listening to me and paying attention. There's a whole lot of truth here, and I hope you hear me out there in the parking lot. Somebody blow your horn. Wake everybody up around you. Blow your horn. Lay down on it a little bit. Amen. Holler, shout hallelujah. Here's what I believe, brother. I, I believe God shows us judgment, but also shows us mercy. Notice what, it, what happened. Notice what happened. And so there's paralysis. There's a parting and a splitting of the altar. Uh, but notice the petition. Here, look, look, it's amazing to me. My God, have mercy. And, and the altar was rent, ashes poured, just like God said by his word that the man of God preached, verse 5. But look at verse 6. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the faith of the Lord thy God. At least he mentioned the truth. He didn't say he's my God. He said he's the Lord thy God. Did y'all notice that? Hey, anybody that's, hey, God have mercy. I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to have, hey, at least. This heathen king has got more sense than some people who claim to be saved. Somebody say amen. He said, he's the Lord thy God. I want you to pray for me. He made the petition. Now here's, here's what the man of God did. Here's what he did, Brother Jerry. Hey, she wants to chime in because nobody else won't. Amen. Here, here's, what the man of God, here's what the man of God did. You know what he did? Didn't hold no grudge. You know what he did, brother? Brother Tony didn't hold it against him. He laid his hand on him. He didn't hold it against him. People sometimes say, preacher, I don't know why you got to forgive us. Hey, you got to have a forgiveness spirit. If you mad at everybody that's mad at you, you'll be mad at the world. Somebody say amen. 
I mean, you got to be happy. You got to turn that negativity against that crowd. Heat cold. Be good to them and eat coals. Hey, be compassionate to them. You'll put coals on their head. You ain't doing it to put coals on their head. You're just doing it to please God. Amen. But the Bible says, the Bible says, hey, but he asked him, he said, entreat the Lord. I, I turn, turn, talk to God for me. Thy God, I admit he's not mine. And the man of God, we see in our text that God's man was merciful. And he prayed for him. And notice this. He said, I want you to pray that my hand be restored. And the man of God besought the Lord. I mean, didn't even get out of the verse. And the king's hand was restored again. Amen. And, and became as it was before, completely healed. As if nothing had ever happened to it. And the king said unto the man of God, I'm talking about he prayed. But we don't just see the mercy of the man of God. We see the mercy of God. Ain't you glad? Hey, here's what I'm saying. It is amazing how God can take a heathen who's trying to destroy the preacher, who's trying to reject the message, and how quick God can move on the scene, tear apart the altar, and cause that heathen to call on God for help. I'm telling you, if God can take a person who is rejects the preacher, rejects the church, rejects the word of God, and make them beg for mercy before they ever catch their breath, I say amen. We see it in our text. That's why we got to be patient and faithful. Amen. It's also proof with the healing and the praying and the rending. It's just proof that God and his divine power, his divine presence, his divine plan, and his God-called preacher is on the scene. Amen. Notice these proposals that the man of God had. He's going to have two proposals. There's going to be one proposal that happens in verse number 7. And the king said unto the man of God, come home with me and refresh thyself and I will give thee a reward. He said, look, I've got a duty morally. You prayed for me. God heard your prayer. You helped me. I have a duty and obligation morally to encourage you, help you, reward you, and sustain you. He said, but not only that, I've got, I've got a duty biblically. It's amazing how people want to do what the Bible says after God just t touches them in a mighty way. And, and uh, it's biblical. Matter of fact, let me just read a New Testament verse, 1 Corinthians 9, 14. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. It is God's will for a preacher, amen, to be, uh, to be supported by those who hear the preaching. And nothing, what's happening here, what the prince is, what this wicked prince is wanting to do, it's morally mandated, it's biblically mandated, but God has already gave him a word, and he's not supposed to cross it. But here's what he does. I love this. Here's the proposal. One of them from a wicked prince, Jeroboam. The other one's from a wicked, weary, at least you have to agree with me, a wayward preacher. I read it to you already, that prophet's going to try to give my proposal. But Jeroboam, he, 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 he's wanting to give something, he's wanting to reward him. He says, uses that word reward in verse number 7. But verse number 8, here's what the man of God said. It, he, said he said, look, I, I'm not rejecting it because I've got some kind of contemptive intent. I, I'm not rejecting it because I, I'm just telling you in verse number 8, if thou would give me half your house, I would not go with you. Neither can, will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. Verse 9, here's why. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread nor drink water nor turn again by the same way which thou comest. And, and he said, Look, God told me before I ever came over here to preach, not to sit down and fellowship with you. I ain't got it. I can't, I'm not supposed to eat with you. I'm not supposed to drink water with you. Man, I feel like preaching there a while. Amen. He, he, he's given Jeroboam a, a polite dismissal. He said, look, I, I, I'm not telling you I've got contempt against you. I'm just trying to line up with God, and he told me before I ever got here not to be doing this. Listen, church, you don't have to explain, but if you want to, fine. But I'm going to tell you, there's some things you better realize. You're going to have to go with God, even when people around you are trying to, what they say, be good to you. It's against the Bible. It's against what God's put in your heart. So just go with God. Amen. And so he told him, he, he said, I appreciate it, but, but God gave me some direction. Uh, amen. He said, when I go back, I can't even come the same way. I got to go back a different way. 
hey, I, I like that. When, when you go, when you hear the preaching of the Word of God, or when you preach the Word of God and it's already worked on you, you ought to leave different than you came. Somebody say amen. It ought to change. You ought to drive out of the parking lot different. You ought to go back to your car different. Amen. You ought to come to church to want to leave with some directives and some directions to go another way. But he said, I've been given directives. I'm not supposed to eat bread. I'm not supposed to drink. It's just what God's told me to do. Then notice this. Notice this. The Bible says this. He begins to walk away. He begins to walk away. The man of God has laid upon him uh, the truth. Jeroboam says, I want to take care of you. I, I want to be good to you. I, I want to encourage you. I, I want to help you. But the oh, he says, no, I can't do it. I, I, I've got to go. I can't hang around here. I've got to go another direction. And, and so he leaves. But notice this. Uh, there's going to be a second proposal. This is going to come not from a wicked prince. This is going to come from a wayward prophet, from a man of God who's disobedient, living in compromise. He, he don't have any discernment. He's, he's just living in the middle of that mess. He's got a lying tongue. He, he's going to try to lead people to contradiction. If he can get that man of God to compromise, it'll make him look better. Y'all might as well say amen. Y'all don't think people's like that, but I'm telling you, 1 Kings 13 is put in the Bible just so we'll stand for what's right and not let somebody make us deviate from the Bible. God's gave you a man of God, and if he's in the word of God, you ought to listen to God through that man of God. Paul said, when I preached to you over in Thessalonica, you didn't receive it like it came from a man, but as it was in truth, the word of God, and it's worked on your life. I, I'm saying amen. If I line up with a book, it ought to be, you ought to say amen. 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 Notice what the Bible said in, in verse number 11. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. And his sons came and told all the works. Notice what they said. Hey, they come told him works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. On the words which he had spoken to the king, them they told also to the father. And the father said, what way went he? Here, here, here's, here's the amazing thing, Brother Jerry. I'm telling you, y'all stay with me. I'm trying to get to the last point because the last point's what I need to drive home. I hope you're with me out there. Listen to me. I'm God, God, ain't no doubt God sent me to do this, sent me to preach this thought. Here this old man of God is. He's an elderly man of God, but he's also an evil man of God. He's living in Bethel, the city of compromise, a city of idol worship. He has not proclaimed any truth, and when God sent his word, he didn't use this preacher to do it. He has sent somebody else from the southern kingdom to come to the northern kingdom to preach the truth. Temptation came, not when the wicked prince spoke to him, but when an other prophet spoke to him. It began to work on him. I'm trying to warn you. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, the second time when he, the proposal is going to come uh, to turn back and eat with us and drink with us and, and, and come back to town with us, it, it's, it's not going to come from a high place uh, like the prince or the king's house. It's going to come from what seems to be a holy place. But every church that's got a steeple on it ain't a church, somebody say amen. Some of them that don't have one ain't one. Kingdom Hall, just in case y'all was wondering. Sons made a declaration. Here's what they said. They made a declaration, number one, of informing their dad. Hey, they said, look, dad, we got to tell you about this man of God. They called him, said, the man of God did some works over there you wouldn't believe. The man of God, hey, he did some words over there that you wouldn't believe. They have told their daddy who claims to be an old man of God, that they're, it's almost like they're saying, there's a real man of God who's preaching the real word of God, and he done some real works for God, and it's causing jealousy in their daddy. Oh yeah, y'all might as well say amen. These boys are informing, but these boy, boys are inspired. Uh, they, they can't believe it. They've seen an altar destroyed. Uh, they've seen a hand restored. Uh, they've heard the message uh, like they have probably not heard in years, if at all. And it created jealousy. 
And so their, their daddy, this old prophet, this evil elderly prophet, this lying prophet, this living in limbo compromising prophet, here, a man that won't stand for nothing, even though the country singer did get it right, he'll fall for anything, amen. And uh, he wanted to defile this real preacher. He wanted to detour this real preacher. He wanted to destroy this preacher. And if this preacher dies, oh well, it's not going to bother him. Are y'all listening to this preacher? His goal is, uh, is to let his jealousy have its end work. Now, I'm telling you, you say, preacher, is there some underlying thing? As far as I know, not. But y'all better listen to me. Ain't no doubt I'm supposed to be here tonight. There is an instigation. There's a declaration, but there's an investigation. This old prophet, he said, he said basically this. He said, which way to go, boy? And then he said in verse 13, help me go, boy. Saddle my ass for me, boy. Saddle my ass. Which way did the man of God go and help me go? And then he finds him. And thank God he found that man of God where every man of God ought to be. <laughs> Woo! Let me run a lap right quick around the altar. He found him hugged up to a tree. I say glory to God. Hey, only place we ought to find rest is at the foot of Calvary. I say amen. You say, preacher, that's a tree. That's an oak tree. I, I, I'm just thankful that it's a tree that reminds me of another tree that brought life with his death, that brought light with his darkness. I say amen. Find him over on the tree. He said, which way do you go? He said, help me go, boy. Then he looked at that man of God in verse number 15. He said, please don't go. He said, come on with me. He said, come eat with me. He told him exactly what he told that prince. He told the old prophet. <coughs> he said, I may not return with thee and go in with thee, neither I eat bread or drink water with thee in this place. And then he told him why in verse 17. Verse number 18, y'all got to read this text with me. I didn't read it when we read it. Y'all make sure you're with me out there in that parking lot. Somebody say amen. And he said unto him, I am a prophet also, as thou art. He put himself on the same level, Brother Tom. He said, look here. You don't have, he, that young man of God wouldn't try to say you had a monopoly on God. He's just minding God. He's just preaching the word of God. God's already proved that he's with him. He's destroyed the altar, healed a hand. I mean, he's trying to go back. He's found a place to rest. Ain't had nothing to eat. Fasting and trying to walk in faith and serve God. Try, doesn't have one opportunity to turn around and get a reward. I mean, money. At least money is not this man's goal. He could have went back and got a reward. Look that word reward up. I mean, that's got cash value to it. Hey, but listen, he said, no. He said, I got to go. God's done told me. I'm not rejecting you. I'm not, I'm not rejecting what you're doing. It's morally, biblically mandated. He said, but look, I've got an obligation to mind God. And he tells that prophet the same thing. But it's going to work on him different. Because notice what the prophet said. He said, I'm a prophet just like you. Notice what the Bible said. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord. Everybody listening to me? An angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord. That right there should have been a red flag. When that real man of God come to town, he said, I'm here because the Lord spoke to me. Now, this man saying an angel spoke to him. He ought to have said right off the bat, hey, the one that sent me is of higher authority. He's the creator, not the creation. But at the very least, I think that's what Paul might have been referring to, brother. That's why I think it's biblically mandated for me to preach it today. I'm going through the book of Galatians. And did he not say, if an angel come and preach a different message than I preach, let him be a curse. And here this man of God is saying, this old prophet, backslidden prophet, wayward, wicked prophet, said, hey, I'm a preacher just like you, but I got a message from an angel. That, old, that other man of God, I, I think it happened to him and his mistake and his error, so we would rise up and say, praise God, if that ever happens to me, Brother Tony, I'm just going to stick with God, because somebody else ain't going to deter me from preaching the real Bible. We're saved by grace through faith. Works ain't got a thing to do with it. I don't care who gives a message, I'm going to stick with the book. Are y'all with me? That's what he said. He said, come on with me. Galatians chapter 1, number 8, he said, if they preach another one, hey, listen, it's a mandate for you to mind God. 
And it's amazing if you don't mind God. Investigation of the prophets, the corruption. The Bible said, look, y'all look in verse 18 with me. I'm not making this up. He said, the angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord. He said, there's an angel sent me another word. Bring him back with thee into thine house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. You know what the devil does? The devil tries his best to corrupt people and tries his best to corrupt preachers. You see, it's going to get public in a little bit in these verses. And it's going to bring dishonor to God when the falling of a prophet takes place. People's going to see it. They're going to find out about it in the city. And it's going to hurt. The, it's gonna, it, it hurts the heart of God, but it's going to dishonor God. Because maybe that's why it took 300-something years for that crowd to have Josiah rise up on the scene. I, I, I'm just telling you, friend, it's amazing right here. If we'll see how this applies to us. There's corruption. He lied to him. He wasn't just backslid, y'all. He was bad news. His bad news for everybody that he influenced. He didn't hesitate to lie. He didn't. There's not. That's in the first response. He lied to him. He compelled him. He to compromise. That's exactly what the devil does. He wants to corrupt people and corrupt preachers. And, and, and false preachers and false Christians want to corrupt your standards and corrupt your convictions. They want to corrupt your message because it makes them look better, Brother Tom. They, they, they're trying their best to get you to compromise and make him look better. He compelled the man of God to compromise. Y'all listen to me right here. Here's what he compelled him to compromise on. Here's the meat of the sauce. I believe everything in our text, he caused him to compromise. If you don't submit to the Lamb of God, the line of the tribe of Judah, in other words, if you're not going to go home because you've been washing your blood in the rapture, you're going to get the wrath. If you don't trust the lamb, you're going to get the line. Are y'all listening to me? Here this man of God was compelled by another false preacher to compromise. What he compromised. Turn me up a little bit, Seth. What he compromised. He compromised four things right off the bat. Number one, he compromised, he compromised, Brother Tony, the course. He said, turn around, come back, come back with me. He wanted him to compromise, hey man, and take a contemporary path. You see, it was not the old message, but it was a so-called fresh new message. Hey, the, God don't change his message. Somebody say amen. Hey man, hey, he said, I want you to turn around, go home with a compromise. He compelled him to change course. Listen, church, don't compromise the old path, old word. Hey, listen, it ain't never right to turn your back on the King James Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. He caused him to compromise. Number two, his consecration. The Lord said, don't go back to that idle way. The Lord said, when you leave, go back a different way. He told him, he got him to compromise his course, but he got him to compromise his consecration. He said, I don't want you to eat their bread, I'm your bread. I don't want you to drink their water, I'll satisfy your thirst. I don't want you to go over there around that man's house, sit down at his table. Hey, you're going to compromise your consecration. If anybody you're dating causes you to compromise your separated, consecrated life, then you don't need somebody to get you further from God. You need somebody to get you closer to God. Hey, you don't need friends, and you don't need to hang around. I'm not saying turn your back on family. I'm saying witness to them and love them. But you don't need to always be around people, friend, who's going to get you to fall away from God. You need people to cause you to want more of God. Amen. He got them to compel the man of God to compromise his consecration. He got him to come. He compelled him to compromise his cuisine. Amen. He he got him to he got him to eat up lies. Amen. He got him to eat, uh, go back and eat that bread. He got him to compromise his cuisine. In other words, he's eating the lard of laziness. Amen. Rather than feasting on the things of the Lord. He got him to compromise his company, his course, his consecration, his cuisine, and his company. It's not okay 
It's not okay. We don't need to eat in fellowship with the wrong crowd. We don't need to hang around corrupt preachers. We don't need to hang around conforming people. Have you forgotten? Have we forgotten what Romans 12 says? He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove who God knows you're proven to the world, to the lost, to the saints, what's good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I'm simply saying this, God don't want us to hang around a conforming crowd, but a transformed crowd, amen. He said, you better watch it, they'll, they'll, you get you to compromise, and church, that's how it's all about. Don't, don't, don't get called up and change, shift courses. Don't, don't let somebody cause you to compromise your consecration. I don't believe we can live too separated for God. Don't, don't get folks to get you to compromise presume. Hey, you, you don't, God gave you a word to eat on. This right here is all you need. Amen. God set the table and old time worship, and that's what we need. That's what our soul needs. You can't feed your soul at Burger King. And this is church. It ain't Burger King anyway. It ain't have it your way. This is Wendy's, old-fashioned and juicy. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Thank God. Hey, he compelled the man of God to compromise. Now, here's what happened. Here's the danger of listening to old men's lies in closing. 1 Kings 13, 20 through 22. The destruction's pronounced. It's a sad, it's a sad day, in my opinion. When he sat down at that table with that backslidden preacher, he no longer got bread in his mouth and water down his throat. Then God sent that compromising preacher a message to tell that disobedient man of God. Notice what he says. And it came to pass as I sit at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet that brought him back and he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and hast not kept his commandments with the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come to the sepulcher of thy father. My God, brother, this man is telling this brother who he finally convinced to come back home with him you shouldn't have done it. You disobeyed God, and he's going to kill you over it. I'm going to tell you, I can see a halt of spirit rise up in that old man. I bet you he was happy to pronounce judgment on this man of God. I bet it made him feel good that he brought that man back down to his level. He didn't feel, so, amen, preach on, preacher, amen. But I'll amen myself, it's the right, amen. God, help us to stand for what's right. Hey, if you can't serve God alone, you won't serve God wrong. How long? You won't serve him long. Everybody ain't going to be with you when you stand for the truth. But it might not be popular, but it is precious in the Lord's eyes. Amen. <laughs> so, the destruction pronounced. The departure. The Bible says, notice this. It's, it's, it's cracks me up. And it came to pass after that good man of God had eaten and drunk. Notice that Lying prophet saddled his ass now and put that preacher on it to send him back home. You say, preacher, what does that mean? Well, here's what I think. Watch evil always try to make itself look good. Evil always try to make itself look innocent. That's why casinos give to charity. It ain't no different than a bar room bartender giving you all the drinks you can to get sloppy drunk, helping you get in the car, acting like they're trying to be there to help you. They wasn't trying to help you to keep you from getting drunk to kill somebody going down the road. Hey, are y'all listening to me? I'm telling you, how evil will always try to make itself look good. That's what the devil does, try to hide evil under a cloud of good deeds. And this old phony prophet, this lying preacher, put that good man of God on his own animal, sent him home. <laughs> but according to verse number 24, 
A lion met him in the way and slew him, and the carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by, and the lion was stood by the carcass. And people passed by, and they saw the carcass after they killed it. Now, these simple things, the death of the prophet. You see the slaying of the prophet. Either you're going to obey the lamb, or you're going to receive destruction of the lion. I'm glad he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Somebody say, if you reject the rapture, you'll get the wrath. Hey, you're either saved or microwaved. You might as well say amen. You're either justified or deep fried. You might as well say amen. That's the plain truth of it. You're either born again or, hey, you've been born twice, so you're only going to die once. Or you're born once and you're going to die twice. And the second death is he forever dying in hell. I don't want that. The slaying of the disobedient prophet. But what's strange about the slaying? The lion didn't eat the prophet. The lion didn't eat the carcass. And the lion didn't attack the ass. It's as if that he's a sentinel. He's standing there on guard. Not letting nothing to, yes, judgment had to happen. But ain't nobody going to mistreat this man of God. That lion stood guard. Didn't eat the man of God. Didn't eat the ass. They didn't fight and squabble over it. But notice what did happen. And men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way. And the Bible said they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. You see what happened, church. Y'all listen to me. What happens is when you don't follow the word of God and the preaching of the man of God, and you let some false preacher sway you and let some false preacher cause you to compromise, hang around any crowd, eat any cuisine. Are y'all listening to me? I stop some of your convictions and your consecration and just cause you to be just blend in with everything. They'll cause you to want to change course. What'll happen is judgment will have to come on a disobedient person. Ain't you glad God has mercy? Amen. Because he could judge us every single day and be justified. But thank God we confess he's faithful and just to forgive us. There is a danger, though. There is a danger that's so long in disobedience and so long and going that God will have to judge you. And notice, if it was just private, it would be bad enough. But when a preacher falls who's just proclaimed such a powerful message and the altar's rent and a hand's been healed, he's pronounced judgment against idol worship. And he himself disobeyed, just like the ones he's preaching to. He didn't keep himself in obedience to the word of God. And when he falls, the Bible says that people saw it and they went to tell it in the city. It'll bring shame to God's house. It'll bring shame to God's people. It will hurt the cause of Christ and bring dishonor. Oh, listen to me. Here's the statements of the citizens. They saw it. But lastly, in this same point, Notice the scheming of a sinister so-called preacher. They came. The Bible said he told them again, saddle me an ass. After he heard about the man of God, he said, saddle me an ass. And he went back out there where he was. The lion didn't do nothing to him. The ass didn't do nothing to him. We don't know what happened. All we know is that preacher picked up that dead prophet that he, in fact, influenced judgment by trying to convince that man he is a preacher just like he was and he schemed he's still scheming if it wasn't enough that he caused his death he's still trying to scheme he's acting like he's gonna do he scooped up the body and brought it back to an idol worshiping town he ought that man of God should have been buried back in Judah He's already been pronounced judgment. If he don't get to live in the sepulchers of his father, at least let him get back to a place where they love God. But that old sinister preacher brought him back to an idol worshiping town and then looks like he's being charitable and gave up his own sepulcher. That wasn't for charity. That was to get a little bit of glory. And here's how I know why. Because when he died, this is where you come. He scooped up the body, let him put him in his own sepulcher. But he's even more sinister. He said, I'm backslid as a billy goat. I'm a liar. I'm a compromiser. 
I live among idol worshipers. I won't even stand against it. I've just learned to live with it. But this man was a man of God. He tells his boys, when I die, let me be buried with you. I don't have no honor. I'm living in dishonor. But I might just want to get a little more honor. Let me be buried in there beside that man of God. Here's the, here's the sad thing. Even while the man of God that did make him say it, even while he's dead, that wicked devil, sinister, false preacher is trying to get a little bit of honor and wants to be buried with that true man of God. Here's, here's the summary of the thought. If you're sitting here today and there's a message of truth that's preached, then you seek counsel from somebody else. Facebook, whatever. You seek counsel. Look it up on the internet. Try to figure it out. Eventually, you'll find somebody that agrees with you. And, and I'm going to tell you, don't let preachers who care more about a pocketbook, care more about prestige. I, I, I'm not going to preach that message here right now tonight, but I, with the Lord's help, I'm going to preach a message soon in Galatians 2 on don't compromise even when special people's around. Listen, when, when Peter got sideways and that church came from Jerusalem, he was eating and fellowshipping with Gentiles, but when that crowd came, when them Jews come, he left as if to say, I don't eat with people that's not circumcised. You know what Paul did? Paul said, I don't care if you did preach and 3,000 got saved. You wrong, Peter. And the law didn't save us Jews. I'm a Jew and you. It ain't going to save them Gentiles. Hey, man, I'm telling you right now, you stick with a preacher and stick with the Bible and don't let nobody come make you compromise your course, your standards, your consecration, your cuisine of the Word of God and the company you keep. You stick with what's right. There's a warning here. There's a judgment that falls on them that'll be so quickly swayed from following the truth. 